Hello and welcome to Dad and Sons. Um, Liam is not here. Uh, thank God, because we don't have to use Skype. <laughs> and our Wait, audio wouldn't I... fluctuate while we're recording. So it's great. That's the only reason why you're thanking God? <laughs> thank you. You're thanking God? That's like... It's been a while what? since I've been on my knees. Oh my God. <laughs> you made me almost do a spit take, you scrub. No, Liam is in um, Tokyo, walking around the game show, right? <laughs> Tokyo game show. He's at Tokyo game show, looking at all the games. Yes. So this is just going to be a uh, dad and son podcast. Uh, me and Matt Visual are here by ourselves. We're going to try our darndest to hold down the fort while, while dad is out. Um, you, you ever you ever have any any fun stories from a child of, of when when dad's not home and and something goes goes terribly wrong? Yeah. You you break something and you're like, okay, how can we fix this so dad doesn't kill us or whoop our ass when he comes home? I I I don't know about And mine was a stepdad, so it was even worse. <laughs> oh no, yeah, you've 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 mentioned your scary stepdad <laughs> scary in the past. Stepdad. I mean I don't know if I wanna bring bring this uh attempt <laughs> At, at cute childhood anecdotes. I don't know if I want to bring this attempt at that to a very dark, scary place. Oh yeah, let's let's bring it down. Let's let's get real on the podcast. Let's uh, let's get real close to our microphones and just just really dive into this real quick. You remember in 1999 um, when when Webvan existed, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, for for all the children out there who are who are listening, uh, there 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 was a. Uh, uh, economic uh, little little recession. There was a bubble that burst, the, the dot-com bubble. When the internet was popping up, all sorts of stupid businesses were trying to capitalize. And only Amazon uh, succeeded where where a lot of others got consolidated out. One of which was a grocery delivery website called Webvan. And my dad, in 1999, was the hugest, like, uh, <laughs> dot-com bubble middle-aged dork. He got, he really, really wanted to be a part of of the internet mass popularizing so he got himself a dreamcast uh, uh, you might wonder what that has to do with it but right. if you think back really hard you might remember that the dreamcast was the first video game console to have online capabilities uh. outside of the like weird dial into sega channel or or have a nintendo disc drive in japan and um he used the sega dreamcast to uh, pop in a web browser CD-ROM disc. Right. Oh, it was a GD-ROM, rather, because Dreamcast, and ordered some groceries, and the delivery person came when Dad was not home, and I didn't know what to do, so I just stayed in the other room and played Skies of Arcadia by myself while the delivery man was ringing the doorbell and undoubtedly heard the game. Oh, no. Did he leave it in the front porch and it got all... Nasty and crusty. <laughs> I I don't remember their procedure. I just remember being really, really afraid of another person at the door. And, and I, it wasn't that I was afraid of them, like, breaking in and hurting me. I was just afraid of how awkward the conversation was going to be. Wow. Oh, goodness. Oh, my God. Even as a child. Even as a child, you did George things. <laughs> oh, oh. Hi. I, <laughs> I, 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 hi. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. When I when, when child George does things, how are they not George things? <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> The, the, so the way you are has 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 always been George. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a point where George became George. You were always just George, like from the womb, from the I, womb, I, from going out. Did you cry? I, did you cry, or was it just too awkward? Do you're like, oh, I don't want to bother the doctor. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe it was more of a wah. <laughs> yeah, just one good one, <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> Just like a single, like like burst, like like a squeeze of an air horn, and then I'm done. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what it was like. Well, that's good. Oh, hey. So buddy. that's <laughs> the dog that's just walked the note. Up. We're starting off on. Oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> Prince, big old American bulldog. So, uh, so Matt, yeah. we got. We got to fill this stuff up with uh with with small talk. With small talk, yeah. Uh, welcome to Dad and Which... Son. Who who's the dad? Who's the son? Who you decide? I'm one, one of the two of us is one of the two of those. I can't believe I've joined joined this the stupid. <laughs> You're here now. All right. <sighs> okay. So yeah, we we did play some. Some blops, some bloopers. We we actually did. Matt and I played a game together again. I mean, since Monster Hunter World together it was probably less than two hours of like actual game time. We had but, like I mean, two good you know, sessions. That's all I can ask for from you know a friend that I've had for like five years. But you know, it's fine. Well, the beta was up for three days and we had two good sessions. <laughs> we made good use of it. I feel I feel like we saw a little bit of everything. Yeah, just we we dipped our toe in it. We did throw toe in it. In the words of Matt Visual, <laughs> I, I, I liked them. <laughs> I liked the two sessions yeah. I spent with you, my good friend Matt Visual, on the Call of Duty Black Ops 4 Blackout Open Beta. The last which, bit uh, was a little anticlimactic, but it's, it's fine. Uh, we, we, like, I found a chest, um, and it had a rocket launcher... And a silenced like assault oh, yeah. rifle, and with, and I, with already I a two X scope it, on it and everything. Oh my god, what what a sweet thing! But, and then of course you but, don't run into anybody, and then I die by drowning. But you know, we were moving perfect. tactically. Perfect. <laughs> you know, I was. I, you had iron lungs. I didn't. So, so you explain the game so, so they can understand what, what iron lungs All is right. like. The perks. Right. Yeah. Um. Um. Statistically speaking, if you're a human being, you've probably played one of these games at least once in your lifetime. Matt and I have done Fortnite. I don't know. Did we ever do a PUBG together? No. Yeah. PUBG is something I've played on and off. I never really could quite get used to its pacing. That uh, Arma DNA is is still there. It's really slow. Uh, your, your character is is pretty slow. You have some, like, predefined animation systems that, that keep you trucking sometimes when you hold a movement button and release it it feels clunky uh and and, and fortnite um you know polishes things up a, a, a degree but you can still kind of feel like deep down on the inside there that it wasn't built for battle royale from the get-go like there aren't enough weapons to really populate the environment so they use that color-coded ranking system which i don't know if you're george and you have a a a, a, 
perfectly fine livable case of deuteranopia, then the blues and the purples blend together to quite similar shades. Um, Fortnite, actually, if I remember it, I think it also had some weird performance issues going on at Tilted Towers that I wasn't getting with Call of Duty um, 8, Black Ops 4, Blackout. Are, are we really at 8? I thought we were way past 8. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, that was just quick head math, okay? So Call of Duty 4 was Modern Warfare 1. So Call of Duty, um, I don't think they've ever labeled a Call of Duty 5. But if we're going in sequential order, the, the, what numberth game in the series would Blobs 4 be? Because Modern Warfare 1 would, 2 would be... No, no, World of War, I guess, then, would be Call of Duty 5. And then Modern Warfare 2 would be Call of Duty 6. And then Black Ops would be Call of Duty 7. And then... We're on Black, Ops, after Black, Black Ops 4 Ops. right now. So it's definitely not My eight. God. Yeah, yeah, it's... Okay, what came after? What came oh, after no, the first? No, let's not do the math. There's so many Call of Duties. Was it? Was it? Was it Ghosts? Oh God, no! Please. <laughs> well, well, Ghosts came out at some point, so that's like Call of Duty five, six, seven, eight, we're, nine. We're going ten. down the rabbit hole. How many fingers am I? And anyway, Google. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. The Call of Duty twelve. Black you say Ops sixteen, like a rough sixteen twenty-four. Call of Duty sixty-four. Yes, Call of Duty sixty-four. Call of Duty 64, Black Ops 4, Blackout is a polished PUBG experience with much faster player movement, much smoother player movement, much uh, smoother gunplay to either the chagrin or the appreciation of others. Uh, it includes the perks from the Call of Duty series as activatable inventory items, kind of like in an old uh, Quake game. You'd have an inventory that you'd circle through, then press I to activate your back to tank in Jedi Knight or something. Here you uh, activate Iron Lung so that you can breathe in the water unlike visual yeah yeah and and died like he took one puff he's like (gasps) and then i was like okay let me get up to the surface i took a breath on the surface went back down died i was like oh oh okay where's the meter where's the meter uh uh these these games involve a very personal in they tell a very personal intimate story of traversing dangerous terrain uh uh, exposed to danger during very uh, tense bouts of movement. That's one thing that I think I actually really like about the Battle Royale games that the other games don't capture as well as the, f- the fear of the vulnerability. When, when you're in like Arma and you're scanning the horizon as you have to move across an open space, it's so scary. And it works well here. Thing is, what surprised me is that I actually felt like I could see the danger coming. If uh, I was about to walk into a gunfight or get ambushed by someone, I'd get some kind of uh, uh, visual hints as to what it was. There's always a player count in the upper right corner of the screen, a shrinking um, circle. Gunfire, like, in the distance that will clue you in as to where the danger is and where it isn't. Oh, and and environmental storytelling kind of dynamically happens in these games, too. There's a lot of houses to hide in, and if the houses have their doors open or their windows broken, or if there even is less loot in one house than the other, you can tell ahead of time that someone might be hiding in them somewhere yeah. to kind of get you mentally prepped before you see it coming. And there's um, a lot of loot everywhere. A lot of oh, like you're, you're yeah, but not a lot of uh, uh, level three armor. No, the armor is rare, so you can uh, you can get a gun pretty quick. Like you're not gonna jump down into like 
the middle of nowhere and not have like a bunch of weapons and a bunch of health and stuff like that. Like, like you, you're kind of on a level playing field until you you're, you're kind of start going of out there. Packs. You know, you get an ATV. If you go to like some of the zombie areas, then you'll get way better loot than everyone else. If you find some armor, then you're way tankier than everybody else. Oh, yeah, and I really like that. I like that there are little zombie spots. You can go there and harass other players whose attention is going to be turned to the zombies. Or you can go there and, and fight the zombies. They they drop really great loot. And just, you can just get something really good early on in the game, and it would require a active challenge. You you Action would happen. Combat would happen, but against a safe, predictable foe instead of another player who just... You know, kill you instantly. The the zombies provide a nice distraction uh, and and active gameplay mechanic that that gives you something to do in the downtime. Like like in Fortnite, you can uh, build and collect resources in the downtime, and in Call of Duty, you decide whether or not you want to go to the, where the zombies are. <laughs> yeah, and the zombies are the zombies are uh, not so hard. I don't know if they're gonna change that a little bit later. There are distractions, so if someone else tries to come up on you, so if two groups, then I could totally see the zombies being a threat. But if you're going there with a group or by yourself, you should be fine. But I think yeah, they I tailor think this... it, you know, just in case so you, you don't get overwhelmed, you know, for a solo player. And then and, and they're more for just, like, getting you looking away from where the other players are shoot shoot the zombies give away your position at the risk that's your risk the reward are yeah are, there's a are, big are beam of light so if you hear gunfire <laughs> and a big beam of light like everyone can see where you're at so if you hear gunshot in that direction and you see the big beam of light from like the freaking heavens going down to the <laughs> to the freaking earth then you know that they're trying to get some loot, some really good loot. And you would have to open a chest that opens a menu so it stops you completely, unless you can move while you're in that inventory section. You said there was an option. I don't think you can move with... Uh, you, you can move with the map screen oh, okay, never uh, mind. covering up your face. I don't know if you can move with the inventory screen covering up your face, but don't don't quote me on that. No. Yeah. Uh, 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 verbatim. I, I I did look through the options screen at, at all the options. Didn't get to experiment with them one at a time. But this is okay for how uh, uh, unremarkable it might be that Call of Duty attempts a battle royale genre and Call of Duty with its 15 years of established uh, uh, technology and mechanics and assets manages to make a polished, slick version of battle royale. This game has the best graphics options menu I've ever seen, and I. Don't even think that's a hyperbolic statement. I think it's just a boring declaration of fact. Every single graphic option in there... Okay, no. Most graphic options in there have a preview image. Like, they have the, the NVIDIA tweak guide built in to the game's menu. You can activate a GPU temperature monitor? What the hell? So that you can monitor your your... NVIDIA 960 well, GPU. You you can do that in some games. A lot of games, though. They they have an option in the menu. Not for in it? the menu. You would have to do some like Alt Shift. Yeah. F function thing. Did that makes all the difference in the world? Now you now you don't have to with the revolutionary Call of Duty 64 Black Ops for Blackout Edition. Oh my God. <laughs> 
man. I, I... I, I liked it and everything, but I have to wonder if I I, I would pay sixty dollars for that. I I yeah uh, I I just don't yeah. know if I'm completely into this type of game to pay that much for it. It's it, it, I, I'd, I'd worry about the the lasting value not being there too, because I I'm, I had fun with it here. I don't know if I'd had fun with it like after two weeks straight of playing it. Yeah, when you come home, do you think, oh man, I gotta really get a game of of Call of Duty Black Ops? No, I I, I could see it for a couple weeks. Yeah, but not like over time. I mean, that's just us because we're just old farts. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We've we've never been into the genre in the first place so i don't i don't i think for people in the genre they might really like this especially a Call i think of Duty this is of it. but for people this is who my favorite normally so into far it, or not normally into it they yeah. probably not i mean i mean one thing that i actually kind of appreciate is that it seems like a nice middle ground between the the mill sim dna of of PUBG and the more uh, arcade and slick experiences you get elsewhere. Because, like, Call of Duty guns, they all kind of feel the same. They don't really have very intense recoil patterns. They, 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 they sound, like, lightweight and poppy and papery. But when you're fighting with them over this distance, their recoil actually matters, <laughs> unlike in the other games. But it's not like PUBG, where you have to spend a good six seconds lining up a shot, adjusting for bullet drop. It's more like you spend one second lining up a shot looking at how your tracer does and then adjusting for that and it feels slick it feels responsive it feels snappy and and, and polished I, and, and I think the guns did a better job with the guns from what i remember of call of duty i don't know if they've recently changed it i know they keep switching developers um so they can come out every year but at least this one it, it felt good and the sound design was actually pretty decent too and it kind of threw me off i was like whoa this gun feels good i i, I thought it was going to be like the paper feel you know where you're just shooting you know a shooting gallery of just you know paper mario stuff you know it it felt good so when you you shot th- someone oh <laughs> someone <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I think uh I think that might have been my cousin. He just installed a um or she just installed a train horn into her car. So uh a, a train horn? A train horn. Is that le- le- legal? Probably not. What are is there going to be a train horn in the background of our podcast? I think that's what it was. I think that's what I mean We've been to bad places here on the the Dad and Son podcast before with with Mister Driller. Maybe, no. maybe maybe Mrs. Horn. No, no <laughs> be our next I, big I, uh, I, big obstacle. No, I don't think. I don't. I don't think he's good. Um, I, I think the the husband is usually the one who who presses it. I don't. I don't think he's just gonna be pressing it all the time. So we're good. We're good. <laughs> we're good. I th- I think I read. In, in in a review of this mode, a little, little editorial post that uh, they they described the guns as being a more honest presentation of Call of Duty guns than usual because you don't even really get to use them over this long of a distance in those games. Mm. Like you don't know what they feel like 
at this long of a distance. And I feel like that, just the distance alone is enough to make them feel better because you do have to pay attention to your aim more here than in the others. Yeah. Because of uh, how, how how long distance the combat is. The, the, the spray and pray close quarters combat of COD now feels like a more tactical outdoors uh, snipe everyone even though you have an SMG kind of combat. And that means that you can't just <laughs> point and click on them. <laughs> the salt. <laughs> We died like twice for a guy sniping with an SMG, well, not SMG, uh, one with an SMG, one with a LMG. But sometimes, you know, you got those moments where, where you creep through the houseboats out of cover as you hear a lot of gunfire above you, see people above you, and you're still hidden. There's, there's, there's stealth to it, too, and I like that. Multiplayer stealth is something that I think I love. It's, it feels so cheeky and clever. Yeah, I mean... The kill cam, though. Kill cam, I don't know. Still, still, folks, some don't angry. Don't trust me. the kill cam. Well, hey. Anyways, um, <laughs> I just want to say that after Matt drowned, uh, uh, I I continued on our journey with the very rare rocket launcher until I got sniped at by some asshole who parked a helicopter on a roof. So I just shot his helicopter and walked away, and he had no more helicopter. No, he had a rocket launcher. I, I blew up his helicopter up and walked helicopter. away. I shot his helicopter with the rocket launcher. And then, how did you die? I think I got shot by another player eventually. Is the point is that's not that that was not remember. as exciting. <laughs> Because the actual night. end of that match was less memorable than the super cool like like. The solid snake sneaking through the bush for five minutes we were doing around that gaggle of combat. Remember when we were sprinting through the closing circle, like using med kits as our health was decreasing? That was fun! We had fun! We had good fun! I heard you have fun. Yeah. Don't you try to lie to me. I heard. I heard well, fun. Well, I had some quality time with, with my man George, so you can't really can't really put this... Hope I'm your main man. My main man. My man George. <laughs> It's lonely over here, George. Oh. It's lonely. All right, man. Why? How? How? How are you holding up? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, George. I'm doing doing all right. It's it's nice being in a new place. It makes me feel like going to a bunch of other states. But for right now, uh, well, I really because because last night when we were playing uh, Call of Duty '64 Black Ops 4 Blackout Beta Edition, wow. you uh, you said you really liked how how you you have a, a selection of outdoor activities it's not just hiking or biking out there it's, it's yeah, a little bit of everything there's a lot to do in california i mean it might the rent might be expensive but my god um there's like you can snowboard when you can um there's beaches everywhere like you like i'm used to miami where the beaches is like a luxury um here you can just park at the beach for like four dollars um and it's it's parking like right at the beach like you're right at the beach like oceanside um here you got like a ton of clubs a ton of bars if that's if that's your thing you got a ton of museums you got zoos <laughs> if that's your you thing. got yeah yeah you got go-karts you got skydiving well skydiving is kind of kind of everywhere um trampoline um, park, 
before you Wait. just jump on trampoline like the whole place is full of trampolines there's it's, it's like a trampolinatorium yeah it, tons of food all mixed with stuff um obviously it's california so like if you're looking for that good jamaican food or something like that like authentic stuff unless you know unless it's mexican food you're looking for uh, uh, with authenticity um you probably better off going like to miami or something like something real close to the islands um but like the food is good um if you especially if you're you're vegan you got a bunch of vegan options around here because uh, everyone here is just like super hipster. Well, not everyone, <laughs> but there's a lot of hipsters around here. Um, mm, um, the land of my people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's like tons, tons of stuff. Like every time, every day, there's always something new that my cousin is telling me that we should do. And I'm just like, what? What? What is that? What is that? And explain. I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. We, we do that. We'll <laughs> do that too. <laughs> Yeah, so when coming from Georgia, where there's just 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 nothing, there's nothing to do. Um, what you don't like Stone Mountain? That's like one. Oh, oh you get to hike Stone Mountain. <laughs> yeah, checkmate. <laughs> yeah. That's there's a lot of hikes over here too, and there's literally I'm looking at a mountain. <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> looking at a mountain right now. <laughs> it's a drastic change. Anyways, yeah, California. Anyway, very very interesting state. Very very interesting state. I'll I'll see how it is after a few get to know the people here. Get to know the people. Have Have you found any black people? Um. They're still very small. Like uh, San Diego, I looked it up. It's seven percent. It's even lower. What was? Um, it's better than Orange County. Yeah, which was a one point five something percent. Wow. Oh, oh. Um, when I went to L.A., there was a lot. There was a lot more. A lot more of a mix. But yeah, I guess California is just like that. It's it's just weird Have, for me because I grew up in uh, Florida, and then when I went to Atlanta, like there was just everyone you know there was black and so, white uh, pretty much and some Asian. Uh, uh no 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 now that we've finished talking about real life yeah maybe we should move back to to, to fake video games? life you yeah you played anything watch anything uh, imagine anything i played a little bit of we happy few oh okay uh, i was in a beta a long time ago there's been a lot of gripes about the way that game has turned out too yeah. and i had i had my hopes up and i I, I will admit that I have not played it, but I was looking forward to playing it, and then after some negative impressions came in from Jim Sterling and others, my interest really just died. Tanked. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, because their last game was all right. The contrast was a cute little puzzle platformer. It was uh, had an inventive idea. You you played shadow platforming games with with the shadows you cast it on the wall in three D. You play a little two D platformer with those. And now they uh, did this like interesting Survival. Bioshock thing. Yeah, that's the feel but of it, right? And then the look. And at least. it was yeah. It's a survival game, and I remember playing this back in beta, and it was so annoying. Like you have to eat and drink, eat and drink, and it's not like you don't know how to eat properly. 
Like you're just grabbing a bunch of flowers outside and you're like, okay, this will <laughs> help. Stuffing them down. Yeah, like it's just like it doesn't really teach you like what you're supposed to do. And you don't want the player to feel like that. You know, like you feel like, okay, I'm getting hungry because I slept and I need to heal health. So what the hell do I do now? You're getting hungry you because you slept. Yes. Like it and and it still happens. It still happens. When I played it a couple days ago, it still happens. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna stuff myself with flowers. You know, that I wanted to make some healing um some healing bong or whatever it's called. Some healing bong <laughs> bomb. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. I think I misheard you there. No, I'm pretty sure I said bong. <laughs> So so what are what are you doing besides surviving in this town? Right, I, I, so I understand there's a story, there a story you're supposed to be doing as well. There's a story and they definitely they definitely fleshed it out. Um I only played a couple hours, so I don't know everything, but so far it's it's interesting, it's cool. I mean you you've played the first part, uh, which I'm pretty sure everyone has seen. Um and then you uh they ironed out that first part quite a bit. Um and then you there's like a story that happens after that so it's not like you're just out in the open world and nothing happens you, it gets a little scripted as well in certain parts but the survival aspect is still there so you're still getting hungry you're still and it's weird to be getting hungry and thirsty and stuff while you're doing a scripted event that doesn't allow you to eat huh. and drink it's just a little yeah, weird. yeah that sounds really it, it's weird dumb. It, like i don't and you have these you have it show up on the top left corner of the screen and i don't know it does something to the player the player looks at him like i have to i have to eat i have to drink and then it's just bothering you it's just bothering you the whole time but but the story missions will slap you in areas where you, well, can't. you can't the well I, i'll just say like i got captured so, how am I supposed to do this? Well, I'm supposed to... And I got my, my inventory taken away. <laughs> Does that sound right to you? That doesn't sound right. In the beginning of the depends. game, teaching the, the player, like, why would you do that? Like, do that well, type well, of stuff, if... like, near the middle or something. Oh, oh, it happened during the tutorial. I was about to no, say, like, what if it's supposed to be a, a fun, whoops, I got to rethink my whole gameplay strategy. But by then, you should at least know what no, your regular like gameplay the... strategy should be. No, this is, like, in the beginning of the game, man. This is the beginning of the game. All right. Yeah, like, you're following the quest, like, literally the second, the first quest, pretty much, after the first, like, scripted bit i guess you can say or or the the introduction um is this this area and you get your inventory taken away and you get captured pretty much and I'm, you're just kind of like okay how am i supposed to eat how am i supposed to eat i mean I, they don't kill you Grubhub. of course but it's just weird and I, I I ended up just putting it down. It's just like oh, okay, I'll, I'll just play this later. And, but you know that's just that's just rough thoughts. You know I could be totally wrong. There might be a totally different way to go about that story, and I just went the the worst way. You know, take it with a grain of salt. But like it it doesn't give you a good first impression. It doesn't give you a good first impression. Um, 
I'm not into the survival stuff, uh, especially if it's done like that. Um, you know, give me an option. Like, tell me, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Like, or or make it, or g- give me some clues while I'm walking around. Don't just give me a bunch of flowers to pick. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> like, like, oh, you can make bread with this. Okay, thanks. Like, I'll go back to my safe area and make some bread and then eat. You know, give me plenty of it in the beginning and then, you know, teach me the certain areas where I'm supposed to go. So, you know, when you take it away, I, I know exactly what I need to do. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, this, is, this is like, this is like what you learn in the beginning phase of, like, game design, right? Like, <laughs> like it's to, all to about, like, player psychology. One like, it's time. weird to me. It's weird to me when I see stuff like that. I was like, okay, come on, guys. It, it sounds like there's there's some complex social interactive systems going on that the game doesn't have a good tutorial or level design to uh, to to ease you into it. It sounds like it's throwing you into stuff that you haven't been taught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there there are ways to teach complex stuff. I mean, just slowly bring it in, slowly bring it in. You know, little by little. You know, just don't thrust a player out, and you know, so, and then you can have that option, like, oh, you want to be thrusted out and learn and die in the beginning, and you know, you have that option, and you pick it. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's I, how they do I, it. That's why they should. I do. mean, when 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 you load into like Minecraft, like you, uh, you're you're pretty much thrown into a, a cryptic mid game, and and it's a little friendly. You you have a whole day. Yeah, but there's pigs around. You're hungry. You kill the pig. You eat. You you kind of are 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 gonna go through it in a natural, intuitive way. Yeah. That that doesn't feel that weird to think about. Yeah, kill a pig, eat the pig meat. That's it's. Just like that, like you get that. You it's don't a, gotta make a health bong. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to to blow glass and like put together a a a, a crafting equipment piece. No. to to eat the pig. You eat the pig. You just kill the pig and eat it. Kill the pig and eat it. Like in Metal Gear Solid Three. Oh my god. Oh my god. Of course, you find a way. You always do. So uh, I I've I've kept the stream up. I think I'm gonna be finishing it up this week. But I just want to point out that my microphone, I want, I want to retell a fun story, rather, of when I uh, ran off during the bathroom during a cutscene for a break. And when I came back, my microphone input was just, like, not <laughs> working. So I quickly thought up a plan B, and I switched the OBS streaming mic to my desk mic that I turned around and pointed at my living room. And I just started like shouting stuff that it was echoing across the room <laughs> into the uh, the 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 room I was playing the game in. So do you remember the scene where Snake is getting tortured by Volgan and, yeah. and they they tear his eye out and it's really uh, brutal and everything. Yeah. Imagine if you will that scene playing, but in the background you hear me going like, "Ow!" <laughs> That was my eye! Oh my god. <laughs> and the boss is like, nothing is more important than a soldier's eye. And I'm like, why would you do that? Oh my I have god. been told that I managed to make lemonade out of a situation in which God had given me lemons. 
And for people who want to see this, uh, uh, search for the Super Bunny Hop second channel, and you'll find some backups of the streams I've been doing. I'm, I'm going to start some new novelty playthroughs once I'm done with Metal Gear Solid 3. But if you find part 7 and skip to an hour and 26 minutes, I'm giving really specific instructions for people listening to this on, like, a road that they're driving 60 miles per hour on top of. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I made a stupid gimmick <laughs> out of a, out of a disastrous technical disaster. And it was a lot of fun and hilarious and, oh, uh, what a, what, what a, what a good video game. Yeah. It's, uh, I would like to play through it again, just for the giggles, just for the giggles to see if, I. Uh, See if I still still would like it, like uh, like five like five years from now, five years oh, from now. Those controls have have aged, but the story is just classic at this point. Like it's still it's still good. It's definitely uh, the story is now beginning to age. The the control scheme aged really really fast, but I think now we're we're getting to a point where where stories of like. Uh, self-identified nationalists going through a a military drama are 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 starting to come off as pretty schmaltzy especially like all the anime posing i didn't notice the characters were doing before now that um now ooh, now the video games have um a lot more realistic motion capture in their cutscenes and that we are used to western games with with high fidelity cinematic storytelling by characters who mumble out lines like they're in a in an oscar bait movie uh a game where characters um deliver their lines with exaggerated reading that that almost strikes a monotone sense of voice while they're anime posing like like doing some jazz hands in front of the camera and uh and, and and winking at it and giving it the good side of their face it feels almost less subtle than than in my younger years when this stuff was harder to spot and it's it's adorable it's still adorable yeah it's amazing going back to things like that like oh man i i like this at one time and i didn't i didn't know i didn't know ignorance is bliss my friend so uh besides that i've i've been you know playing playing blops playing playing metal gear i watched two werner herzog documentaries with the girlfriend uh matt have you heard of either of these films grizzly man or cave of forgotten dreams no do you know who werner herzog is no <laughs> Werner Herzog is a German filmmaker who has a series of documentaries that are hilarious. They'll basically be him going on, like, vacation to a, a uh, kind of esoteric, uncharacteristic uh, uh, destination in which he'll uh, try his darndest to make a movie out of... I don't know. It really is, like, professional, well-made documenting from beginning to end. But I like the thought of this depressed German existentialist just, like, pulling the camera out during his vacations and making an excuse out of it. Uh, in, in Cave of Forgotten Dreams, he visits a cave in France that has some cave paintings in it from 30,000 years ago. And the paintings have been preserved very, very well. The, the cave got sealed up, and the atmosphere inside is 
has been undisturbed for, for thousands of years. And the lines on the paintings are still sharp and clean. And you can see calcite deposits forming on top of the paint that these people were, were scribbling animals on thousands of years ago. And, and the animal scribbles that they were making had like animation going on there there are multiple frames of of animals moving around that you can cast your arms as shadows in front of to create a moving image effect that these uh people had apparently figured out 30,000 years ago and it absolutely terrified me um the 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 documentary guy who's narrating it all Werner Herzog though what makes him so hilarious is his 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 beautiful German accented voice. He will uh, narrate over over montages of these cave paintings, saying things like, "Is it not striking that Pablo Picasso, thirty thousand years later, used the same motif in his art?" And occasionally it'll cut to this guy interviewing some like real real working class technician who's like uh, setting up 3D scanners to scan the caves or something. And Werner Herzog will cut to a shot of, of this guy in like a filthy jacket hard at work being like, well, as you can see, archaeology is less about going on adventures than uh, making very, very highly accurate reproductions of the dig sites. And then Werner Herzog will be like, do you believe this cave is where the human soul began? What is humanness? <laughs> wow. The guy's eyes just kind of like pop and they're like, uh, uh, well, this is the earliest sighting of cave paintings we have found. <laughs> like just trying to answer a way more highbrow question than they were prepared for. And, and, and I found it terrifying. I, I found this, this documentary about these cave paintings absolutely existentially terrifying because it was a, a stark reminder of just what a celestial astronomical consequence existence is. I am so lucky that for the past 30,000 years human beings have kept reproducing and produced me. Ooh. And I'm so lucky that for millions of years before that, uh, 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 animals had somehow figured out how to think and become people. And, and whoa, imagine if that didn't happen. Reminds me of all the like Richard Dawkins interviews that I've been watching. Like for some reason, YouTube recommended that. And uh -oh. just like he's just been <laughs> just to watch him just go ham. On evolution, you got you got to be a little careful with Richard Dawkins these days. Why? I'm 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 all, I'm all about like you know learning science and stuff, but but when it comes to uh, bleeding the line over to being douchey to other people, that's that's the line I don't want to cross. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes he might going. He might cross that line. He he crosses that line. He crosses that line quite often. I'm like, oh my god, he's he's a madman who uh, likes to shut people down. And and thinks that creationism, or you know, shouldn't exist and stuff, or religion in general shouldn't shouldn't exist. It's very very interesting. Whereas Werner Herzog probably thinks that that is all just a a hilarious byproduct of people being being insecure about about their own humanity. God, I love this guy. And being scared of what happens when you die. Oh, oh yeah. Maybe you find out who made those cave paintings. Oh God. Oh God. Oh, or God. God. Or or <laughs> God. maybe it'll 
It'll be a terrifying mystery that'll terrifying stick mystery. around for millions more years. Nobody knows. Hey, we're getting way too, way too on the line on this podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. We should probably get and away from the, the line. it's just the two of us. Yeah. Everyone's just going to be like, hmm, so what you what you guys believe in, huh? What <laughs> you guys believe in? What is your political view? Uh, uh, well, as of right now, we got to, you know, just make money and, and survive by the, the system we were all born in, regardless of what we believe, right? That's... That's just living. <laughs> love it. Love it. What an answer. Oh, my gosh. It's like you've been doing this for years. <laughs> I can't tell if you're laughing at m- me or, like, you're a thought you had about me. <laughs> like, did I trigger the laughter or did you just come up with something in that head of yours that... <laughs> <laughs> that is too spicy for you to like reveal to us. Maybe a little bit of both. So Liam is in Tokyo right now. We did not get a media badge, and he is staying in a hostel with loud people and mm. does not have a quiet place to record. So what and he did stuff was yeah. <laughs> Before he left, he he didn't want to bring his laptop with him actually for kind of sort of that reason. Before he left, he uh, recorded a segment for us to use in which he describes his reactions to some Nintendo Direct news of last week. I'm gonna edit it up. I'm gonna make it real cute. I'm gonna make it uh, 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 fun to listen to, and we will more or less use that for our break this week. Uh, Matt and I will be back in just a few minutes after the bathroom. For listener questions. Yep. Drain the weasel. Uh. Hello, and welcome to your favorite absent dad and son solo show. Obviously, Matt and George are heathens, and they won't talk about the Nintendo Direct news because they're, uh... VR nerds, and Matt doesn't like video games. So, it's up to me, your favorite absent son, who's gone out for a pack of smokes at this year's Tokyo Game Show. By the way, I'm in Tokyo right now. So, it's up to me to talk about what Uncle Nintendo has been bringing us this week with the Nintendo Direct, because there was a lot of stuff. For starters, it was delayed because of the horrible typhoon and the earthquake that we had, that we spoke about on the previous Dad and Sons. Um, Japan's getting fucking battered. We're getting destroyed over here. I'm surprised the country's still standing. But anyway, we stayed alive long enough to see a new Luigi's Mansion. They just came out right out of the gate with that shit. Obviously, they're bringing Luigi's Mansion to the Nintendo 3DS for some reason. Um, with co-op play, that the frame rate looked incredibly bad for, but yeah. So Luigi's Mansion is coming to Nintendo 3DS soon, and now we have Luigi's Mansion 3, which is really cool because Luigi's Mansion games are always fun. Uh, Dark Moon, the one on the 3DS before, the number two, that was pretty good. So now we have uh, this new one, uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, and it's coming to the Switch, which is great. It looks graphically very, very nice. Kind of looks like a high-res GameCube version of Luigi's Mansion. So that was a cool like cold opening straight into the Nintendo Direct and from there then we went into some other cool stuff. Uh, basically we had all the 3DS games that not many people are probably going to play 
Kirby's Epic Yarn, Extra Epic Yarn, a remake of the Wii game back in, what, 2009, I think? Yeah, so we have a remake for that for the Nintendo 3DS. We had the Mario Luigi's Bowser, Bowser Inside Journey, which features Bowser Jr.'s side story, which kind of looks like a weird tactical tower defense game, which I can dig. I can dig. I like the little Mario and Luigi games. Um, they're nice, sort of comforting RPG experiences. But on the 3DS, man, keeping that thing still going. And then we had Luigi's Mansion. And then we had Yokai Watch Blasters. So, 3DS is alive and kicking. That's cool. Fine. If you got that, that's cool. I like the 3DS, but I haven't picked it up for a long time. I'm literally staring at my Majora's Mask 3DS and being like, I remember you. You were cool. Now we have a better handheld, and that's when we moved on to the the Switch. Now, the Switch is fucking doing like hot shit. Let's be let's all be honest. At this point, if you don't own a Switch, unfortunately if you don't own a Switch for monetarily reasons, that sucks. But if you haven't taken a Switch and you do have the money and you're buying like other stuff, What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Like, the abundance of first-party games we already have it on it, forgetting what Matt and George say about Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey or whatever. But you know, games like Splatoon 2, which is still receiving updates. We obviously have Mario Tennis Aces. We have Mario Kart 8. And then, you know, we have all those incredible indie games that are coming out as well. But now we have even more stuff. Even more stuff coming to the Nintendo Switch. It's just getting even bigger. Of course, it starts with Mega Man 11, which is coming out soon, and the free demo is out right now. I actually wanted to talk about it last week on Dead and Sons, but obviously I spent too long talking about Spider-Man, but the demo's really good. Feels really nice. Feels like Mega Man, which is exactly what we want out of a Mega Man 11 game. It has lots of polish, looks really nice. The new gear system, I like it. I'm digging it. It's cool. Um, if you are interested in Mega Man, you should download the demo and play it. That looks really good. Uh, so I'm probably going to pick up that game when that comes out. Mario Tennis Aces, as I said, the first party game is receiving a new update with new characters. That's cool. Sure, sure, sure. More updates from stuff like uh, other first party stuff. It's cool. You know, keeping those games with long tails is always fun if you're interesting in those things, but what we're more interested in is Capcom releasing older games for the Nintendo Switch because we can't get enough of that. So for some reason, Capcom are releasing like a beat-em-up bundle for the Nintendo Switch that has uh, seven games in it. Uh, I forget what the games were. It was like Final Fight, uh, Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage? Was it Streets of Rage? No, it wasn't Streets of Rage. What am I thinking about? Is it, what was it? Oh my god. Why did I not Google this before I started recording? I just have it written down, but I didn't write down the games. Capcom bundle announced where it comes with seven flavors of Wapas, says Game Radar. So uh, it comes with Final Fight, Captain Commando, Battle Circuit, Knights of the Round, Warriors of Fate, and Armored Warriors, and the King of Dragons. Now they all look pretty sweet, and that looks really cool, especially, you know, Captain Commando is fucking awesome, and Final Fight is, you know, it's got fucking Mayor Hagar in it. So, the other games must be fun too, I, I don't think I've ever played them. I think Battle Circuit and uh, Armored Warriors, they're the, they've only ever been available like on arcade versions, so that'll be fun to check those out. It's gonna be $20, sounds, sounds like fun. 
if you're into that kind of thing, uh, you know, you can have the Joy-Cons, you play two-player. I mean, it's like multiplayer is like key to mm, beat-em-up games like this. So it'll be fun. But moving on from there, we get even cooler news. We get Katamari Damacy Reroll. We have a remastered version of Katamari Damacy coming to the Nintendo Switch, which is super cool. Who would have thought that was happening? Nintendo Switch is this weird place for older games to just... Because it's easy to port games to the Switch for them to do it. And with Nintendo being a bit more open about publishers and self-publishing game studios uh, releasing games on the Switch now, we're going to see crazy stuff like Saints Row 3 having a remaster for the Switch. Not a remaster, but a, a port. And having like Katamari Damacy for the Switch. Super weird. But I'm cool with it, like, the more games, the merrier, especially if it's like old games you missed the first time around, and obviously Katamari Damacy is now what? Going on like 15 years old from the PlayStation 2 original, or whenever it was originally announced, 2004 maybe? Um, yeah, now we get a brand new remaster of it for the Nintendo Switch, which is great, and I'm down for that, more Katamari Damacy is great, uh, Keita Takahashi is a crazy dude and his new game Watam looks awesome so yeah that just added more weight to this pretty pretty stellar Nintendo Direct if I'm honest from there we then had like new Super Mario Bros U the Wii U Super Mario Bros game that has the most ridiculous title now new Super Mario Bros U Deluxe so that's coming to the switch so you can play multiplayer and it has the new Super Mario Bros. Luigi, uh, which was like an updated version of that game with Luigi as the main character. That comes in it too, and it comes with like 164 plus levels or whatever. And also had this really strange thing where you can play as Toadette and Nabbit, and Toadette turns into Peachette? What the fuck was that all about? So now Toads turn into humans? Does that mean Toad turns into Mario when he transforms? So confused. But yeah, that looks pretty cool. Um, if you missed that, that's a pretty solid side-scrolling Mario game. It's not the best, I don't think, but I mean, more Mario games for the Switch is pretty cool. Um, then we had like more trailer announcements for Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, secret techniques and hairstyles and other weird stuff that they're doing with that game. I'm still totally not sold on the whole Pokemon Go gameplay mechanic. That sucks. I don't like it, but we'll see. Then we got Diablo 3. That's coming. You can play as Ganon, which is fucking cool. Roaming around as the Prince of Darkness while he's like fucking up some demons. Will be cool. Super Mario Party is looking like a Mario Party game. Uh, that's coming on October 5th, which is like next month. Ugh. Wow. That's fast. Uh, but yeah, I don't have any friends, so I won't be playing Mario Party. Um, Game Freak, they're developing a new RPG, although it's, the title is currently unconfirmed, but their codename is Town. And like in the direct, it looked pretty interesting, but then they said like the game takes place entirely in one town. And that town looked really small, so that didn't sound very good. But it's a Game Freak game, you know, the guy's responsible for Pokemon, so who knows. They've made other stuff like, uh, what was it? Tambo the Elephant? 
There was like a platforming element, uh, elephant game. They made another game last year that they released that I forget the name of that was like to do with electricity platforming or something. They make these odd games that come out and I guess they'll never be able to step away from the Pokemon series, but it's cool to see them being able to do other stuff other than Pokemon. Um, there was other announcements like City Skylines is coming to the Switch. Uh, all, it was out the day of the Nintendo Direct. Having more games like that uh, really rounds out the Switch. There's this weird problem that Nintendo have had for so many years. Obviously we've had the whole Wii U thing where they tried to aim for third parties, they failed miserably. We had like ports of like Batman Arkham City, Assassin's Creed 4, and that was basically it. You didn't have any third parties and then Nintendo Wii just had shovelware third parties or shitty ports of like Call of Duty games and other stuff like that. Nintendo consoles have always been incredible because of first party and other second party studios around that, you know, like Intelligent Systems and uh, Game Freak and other stuff like that, which have made them worth having. But there's always been like this lack of all-roundness that you get with like PlayStation and Xbox, whereas they have a variety of different genres from like shooters to platformers to strategy games to uh, fighting games and all that kind of things, whereas Nintendo games have always just had Nintendo games on them, which, you know, can kind of pocket it into a genre. But now with the Switch, we're seeing stuff like City Skyline. Who would have thought like this sort of city building uh, strategy, not strategy, simulation game would be on a Nintendo handheld console thing. And on top of that, we're getting Civilization 6. We're getting a Civ game on the Switch. That's, that's mental. So we're, this kind of thing is adding more weight to why the Switch is probably the best Nintendo console ever, in my opinion. It's really getting up there. Of course we have, you know, the Super Nintendo is amazing and N64 is held in high regard by many people and, you know, GameCube and whatever have you. But in terms of like all roundness, we get like the amazing first party from Nintendo that we've always had. We get stuff from game developers like Intelligent Systems with the new Fire Emblem game. We have like Hyrule Warriors and other side stuff from Nintendo that looks really good. But now we're getting all these other games from third-party studios and we're getting like games that we would never have seen on a Nintendo console prior. Stuff like City Skylines, Civilization 6, and we're getting board games, tabletop board games on the Nintendo Switch as well from Asimo D Digital. Stuff like Carcassonne, Carcassonne, I think that's how you pronounce that. The Lord of the Rings card game and like Pandemic. The Switch is just going to have all these crazy things where you can play like Hollow Knight and then you can play Mario Odyssey and then you can play Breath of the Wild and then you can play Into the Breach. And then you can play City Skyline, all like on one console that you can take anywhere with you. The Switch really, thanks to these directs, which are coming thick and fast, is just like adding more weight to why you need to own this system now. It's gonna have something for everyone, where I totally understand people not picking up the Wii U and stuff before, because it just had only Nintendo games, and if you're a fan of Nintendo, that's great. But there is a reason nobody bought that console. It's because it didn't have anything else. Yes, you got great Mario games. Yes, you have a kind of okay Zelda game. And then you have a HD version of a Zelda game. And then you have the Breath of the Wild thing that you could also have on the Switch. I mean, it wasn't that great. Let's be honest. I like it 
for what it was, but it's like leagues behind what the Switch has now become. To see how Nintendo have learned from their past mistakes to now, pretty incredible. Anyway, this is running on long because George will cut me out and shut me up. So I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Then we had like, The World Ends With You, great game for the 3DS, play it, it's a cool RPG. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has like a new expansion, that's a prequel, 500 years set in the past, I think. Yes, so if you like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, buy that. Fuck me, we're getting lots of Final Fantasy stuff on the Switch as well, including Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition, which is really, really dumb, but you can play that now because it's out today as well. Nintendo doing this out today thing like they did with Into the Breach and City Skyline and the Pocket Edition thing is really cool. Let's do more of that. Let's have like a major Zelda announcement at E3 one time and then say it's out today because that would be amazing. Let's do the whole Apple thing all the time. That would be awesome. So we get that. Um, and then the Final Fantasy stuff is like, we get Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remaster. Finally, people can actually play that game with other players, which will show you why it's a really great game. So many people missed out on that series because of the difficulty of owning four GBAs and link cables and a GameCube and all this stuff. But now we get to have this really cool Final Fantasy game uh, that people will play because it's got online play. On top of that, World of Final Fantasy, which I watched I watched Pro Jared play all the way through. I never played it myself. Looks fun. It's getting a redone edition called Maxima out for the Switch as well. On top of that, we got Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon and Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, the one that came out on the PS4 and stuff. That's coming to the Switch as well. So, holy shit. And then on top of that, of course, we had the announcements that Final Fantasy VII, IX, X, and X2 are all coming to the Switch. Fuck you if you like 8, basically. <laughs> Nintendo and Square Enix don't care if you like Final Fantasy 8. You ain't getting it. But it probably means that something's happening to Final Fantasy 8. Whether it's an update or a remaster or something, there's a reason why 8 isn't included. It's kind of dumb, but I'm sure we'll find out soon enough why 8 wasn't included. Okay. Now we got all that out of the way. Like, that's pretty much everything from the Direct. Oh, apart from, like, Yoshi's Craft World, the new Yoshi platformer looks really cute and gorgeous and has this amazing mechanic. Like, everyone knows I bang on about game design on this podcast way too much, but this game has this weird mode where you'll play all the way through a stage and then the stage will flip around and then you have to play it backwards where the stuff you didn't see before, the stuff that was in the background, now becomes the stage and that it's like this really cool mechanic where one half of it is designed a certain way and then the other half works entwined with that design to make like a whole entire new stage so you play it backwards and forwards. That's so cool! But it looks kind of easy, like Kirby's Epic Yarn. I hope not. Yoshi games have been traditionally a little challenging. So it looks good. Um, it doesn't look like it's the same Yoshi game that we saw last year that was being developed by, I think it's Goodfeel or whatever they're called. It looks like they're not attached to it anymore and it kind of looks like an entirely new game with the same aesthetic. But we'll see. It looks fun. Anyway, getting on to the big stuff. Of course, there wouldn't be a Nintendo Direct this year without a Smash announcement and they did it in the best way possible. They had a cute little anim Animal Crossing animation at the start with Isabelle. She's in it as she is here in Japan. And 
she's like talking about the mayor, the villager being too busy out smashing it with his bros uh, to be the mayor, that she should be the mayor. But then, and she receives a letter. And then, she gets announced that she's in Smash in like the best way possible. And what a cool character to have in Smash. Um, having Isabel in Smash is really, really cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. She's so adorable. And her movesets looks clumsy and funny and kind of looks like one of those characters that you can troll a lot with. Um, sort of like Villager, sort of like Mr. Game & Watch a little bit. I'm super excited about that. I was actually speaking to Aya Kyugoku uh, of the morning, on the morning of the Direct. She is the woman who made Isabel and was the director of New Leaf. Um, she's a lovely, lovely lady. And then I messaged her saying, oh my god, Shizue is in Smash. And she was like, Faito! <laughs> she just sent me a picture of Isabel saying Faito. So, yeah, pretty exciting to have more Animal Crossing representation in Smash, which ties into the next thing, which is we're getting a new Animal Crossing game. Holy shit, the internet lost its shit. So many people love this series. I kind of understand. I've never been the biggest Animal Crossing fan, but I do love the aesthetic and I do love the feel of Animal Crossing games. The gameplay itself, though, is kind of not usually my cup of tea, but I definitely can sit down and enjoy playing those games for a couple of hours. Um, but yeah, next year we're getting a brand new Animal Crossing game for the Switch. And Tom Nook looks like he's gonna be a big major part of that. So I don't know whether you're gonna be like the new mayor and Tom Nook's gonna be like your secretary or he's gonna be running the town or something. But yeah, we're getting a new Animal Crossing game, finally! Which means, you know, we have the big Mario game, we have the big Zelda game, we've got Smash, we've got Mario Kart, we've got Splatoon, and now we have Animal Crossing. All we need is a big F-Zero game, and then we're pretty much set for like all Nintendo first party stuff coming to the Switch. We've obviously got Pokemon as well. So, now we're getting Animal Crossing. The, 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 the whole first party lineup is making the Switch even more worthwhile. All the stuff that the Wii U just didn't get. Apart from that shitty Happy Home designer thing. Was that- oh no, that wasn't on the Wii U. It was- oh, it was even- it was that Amiibo Festival. Which is even worse. Wow. That was bad. But, anyway. I didn't even get to, like, the fact that Nintendo Online is coming. Kind of half-sold on that. The NES controllers that are being released for it seem cool, though. I'll buy it, because I'm an idiot. But yeah, overall, Nintendo Direct, pretty damn good. I'm excited. It made me excited as a Switch owner and also a Nintendo fan. I don't know what you guys thought of it or what Matt and George, if they even watched it, thought of it. But anyway, I need to get back to partying in Tokyo and playing Japanese games. So until next week when I will return, I hope you guys have a good week and goodbye. Bye Matt and George. Bye. Okay, that's Hello. And welcome back from the break. Hopefully Liam didn't bore you. Um. <laughs> what? The, that was me. He doesn't. He he doesn't have a chance to defend himself against that. I know. I know. I know. I haven't. I haven't actually listened to it. Is that were we supposed to listen to it? Uh, I I was. I you I, were. I I was. Yes. Yes. I'm not. I'm not doing my job correctly. Well, I, don't, I wanted to but, ask the audience something though. Oh. So. I was at the gym today, and I saw a guy 
fully nude. What? Just wanna, yeah. Just, just uh, you know, I never saw that in the gym. Um, usually people, you know, wore clothes. Or at least wore clothes when I came in through, you know, well, to use well, the restroom. There's usually, like, so shower rooms. So was just kind of just out there, just swinging around. Wait, well, wait, wait, not really swinging around. It was I, kind of important a, on the small side, but... Like, were you in the shower? I wasn't in the shower. He was out in the lockers with his dick out. Okay, yeah, locker room, locker room. I have seen it when I was in college. Boys were getting naked in the locker room, and I didn't get it either. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yo, if you're comfortable, it's fine. But I just want to know, uh, thoughts, thoughts, guys. Uh, and have you, uh, have you been naked in the in the in the locker room. How many of our listeners have been naked in places that aren't showers? Yeah, the locker rooms, you know? Just, you, you okay with whipping it out? Because there's, like, space between the lockers and the showers. Oh, a great deal of space. That you can, like, at least keep underwear on for, yeah. for that walk. You, you don't gotta... What? I Are you, like, losing time by, by not wearing... No, by, see, by needing to wear clothes between the, the two see, I destinations. No, I can see like a towel. You dry yeah. yourself off in the shower. You wrap it around your your waist, and then you know you put on some some underwear when you get to the lockers. Like I can I can get that. Um, this guy just just was hanging out. Just he walked to his locker naked. What's the advantage of that? What is the benefit of that? What is what? And maybe he. What? He's just like he's like home. Maybe he does that at home, and he's just like you know, I'm I'm an older dude. I don't care. He wasn't <laughs> old, old. Old. He was you know he wasn't like some old guys like oh sweet. No, he was he was he was just an older <laughs> what gentleman. What kind of old person is like that? Well, like an elder gentleman, not an old like <laughs> limping type made. of dude. <laughs> you know, like probably like forty fifties. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's so like dad aged. Yeah, yeah. Like had had a kid or two, you know. Old old enough to uh, um, own property with a family. Yeah, and a, and a picket fence. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm into the whole uh, taking a shower next to like I don't want a prison shower, you know. So the showers that they have in your gym are they like private individual? Booths? See, I never been over there. I gotta. I'm gonna check it out now. I'm gonna check it out now because I'm like, okay, well, like, is it just like an open prison shower? <laughs> because if it's a prison shower, then I'm probably never gonna take a shower there. I mean, it's not like I'm uncomfortable with myself. It's just, if they're, if just they're I don't want to see a bunch of dicks all the time is that if, is that bad i don't know if, if it's bad if they're private booths then this guy has no excuse that he could just wave his clothes over the booth in the shower well let's not judge you know maybe maybe he's from he may he might he might have looked like he a little european a little okay, european in okay. there he might be a little might be a little different over there it is I'm not quite sure. It I'm is. pretty sure it's a little different over there. Oh, oh yeah. They they got their saunas in Europe, and and they got the the onsens, the hot springs, in in in, in Asian countries. They they're they're also more lax about nudity. You, you gotta think like they gotta. Well, no. 
It's, it's an American thing, but I think yeah. I should point out that this guy would have been in America, where nudity would make his, uh, his I, I don't know if they're, they were his fellow Americans, but the Americans surrounding him uh, fairly fairly uncomfortable. I, I I think I I think I I think I should try it one day. But yeah. Um Oh, it's yeah, something. So, uh, <laughs> the Nintendo Direct. <laughs> you know, when I was when I was in Japan, I I I got naked with the boys for the first time when I when I went to the onsen. Right. As 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 a shy, awkward American who's always been like leery about public nudity, I uh, swallowed my pride and tried to do this whole onsen thing and Still don't know if I get it. Well, you were with yourself, right? You were. I with, was uh, by myself. I was with no friends. No friends saw me naked. Just Japanese strangers. So, what if uh, we, you know, me and you go to an onsen? Uh, then <laughs> we'll we'll have to arrange the times to make sure that we go at different times. <laughs> Just whip off the shirt nice and slow, like, yeah, George, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> By yourself, yeah. Yeah, George. Took off that To pants. the wall, Matt said to no one in particular, because George <laughs> is not there. No, he's not. <laughs> You're just going to be right. a crazy guy in the locker room showing your dick off to George, your imaginary friend who's not going to be there. <laughs> Oh my god, what are we doing, Matt? Nintendo Direct. We're doing Nintendo Direct. Let's do let's do questions. Oh, 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 okay, okay, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for the questions, we got we got the two of us here actively actively uh let me just start that all over again. Let's 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 do questions. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, we got we got one from Tristan M. Uh, saying hello. First question: How's your day? Second question: I was playing Spider-Man recently and realized something about the game and most PS4 lineups or most AAA games ever. They are open-world collectathons with elements of RPG and stealth and UB fucking soft towers. I'm wondering if this is making paths to the classical style of video games or a variation of the classical video game. What I meant by classical video games is similar to classical style film which I believe he's, like, referring to classical Hollywood cinema, like the the film criticism concept of just, like, looking at what trends were really sticking in Hollywood cinema from the... Yeah, the for a long period of time. ...late silent movies to the... before the, the immersive blockbuster Jaws era. And, and, and if these elements are going to become archetypical of most video game releases for the next couple decades like those movies had for those couple decades. Yeah, kind of kind of like the new type of action films like The Rock is in Rampage and all that. I think and, what and, I've seen oh, Yeah. I I think what I've seen over the years is a uh new default action game quote unquote i'm putting a lot of quotes in the air with my fingers whereas in the in the like 1980s your default action game genre was the side scroller and the in the 90s it was like the 2.5d pixel shooter and the turn of the century turn of the millennium it was it was world war ii shooters for a really long while then it was modern warfare shooters then now now it's these open world ubisoft tower 
collectathons, and I think in five or six years it'll change again. I think uh, genres Battle and Royale. archetypes and trends. Yeah, yeah, we're moving to this one now. I think it changes on a timeline that is faster than the trends that had defined Hollywood's classical style in the the earlier parts of the century. Video games have moved across their history much, much more faster than having established their trends for entire decades at a time. Every five, six years, if not most of, but not an entire decade, like a, a dominant action genre trend will emerge, but it will get overshadowed by the next big thing pretty regularly, I feel. And, and I feel like the Ubisoft the Ubisoft towers will not last just like everything else before eventually got streamlined and polished into something else that people ended up liking better as they had their fill of the old stuff. I think I think you're going to be okay, Tristan. I think you're might be a little a little too pessimistic. Just just remember Tristan, just think back on Werner Herzog in the Cave of Forgotten Dreams. The the <laughs> long what feels like a long lifetime of human existence of dealing with the, this trend of Ubisoft collectathon sandbox games is really an extremely short infinitesimal speck of dust in the grand scale of the universe. So, uh, yeah, just just think of that every night before sleep, and and hopefully you'll be looking more forward to whatever other big trend will uh, undoubtedly feel played out by the time it becomes established and. Uh, uh, marketable for for good three four years. Yeah, I think that's why people liked Uncharted when it came out. It didn't follow that open world crap. Oof! And Uncharted nowadays is like dollar store God of War, but with really fun characters and cutscenes. And I said God of War. I meant Gears of War. Sorry, my bad. Uh, you, no one has ever copied Gears of War properly. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. Oh yeah. I think so. I don't think so, man. Here's the war. You can never get that feel. Like no one has ever like really done that. Yeah. You know? I don't know. But, I, I've but been that wanting was, someone else to copy it. Like, like really. It was the copy trend it. for a while. I mean, uh, what? <laughs> you mean cover shooters? Yeah, not cover necessarily shooters. just the gears feel. clones. The feel of gears, like just the the thickness. Ooh, I the mean, coal train. Yeah, man, just rolling up on a guy, boom, busting his head wide open. That's 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 mean. Why would you do that? To oh, satisfying. The little, that's little, that's that's why. Little, the sound that they make, it's like uh, I think it's like a baby crying with a uh, oh my with god, a breaking a cabbage. Yeah, they were explaining like the head pop sound. And they, it was like multiple sounds in one that create that out, like pop sound. So there's some baby crying in there. I, th I think I think it was like a, a baby scream and a cabbage break, like uh, breaking and some other thing. That's, that's really <laughs> pretty strange. I don't know if I want to think about that when decapitating enemies in a video game. <laughs> You know, I didn't. I never thought of it like that way. <laughs> uh, Anyways, <laughs> want to do another question? Yeah, let's do another question. Eva Unit Zero One says, "Hey, Dad and Sons Podcast. I'm a new listener, so I'm slowly catching up with it, but I'm enjoying the ride. My question for you guys is: What is your favorite prosthetic arm or limb design from a piece of media? I think the Venom Snake arm is rad. 
Hmm. Hmm. You remember that guy in in Family Guy who has peg limbs for everything? Oh, God. Yeah. I think... He's saying, what is your favorite... Or or they, Eva Unit 01, is saying, what's your favorite prosthetic arm or design from a piece of media? And, And like a salty old sailor who just has prosthetic arms and legs that are just like pegs that's that's funny that's cute i appreciate that and and it doesn't have to be a video game because he just has a piece of media hmm but i do Uh, have other contenders runners up honorable mentions but I'll, i'll let you go favorite i always like i've always liked just having like one arm just you know um, prosthetic. That, that would be so sick. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe Winter Soldier. That'd be pretty cool. Like a like a plasma cannon. Yeah, that might be pretty cool. Yeah, like he looks he looks tight. I like that. I, I would man. If there was a way in the future to not get messed up doing that i would probably want to do that Oof! like uh uh elon was uh musk was talking about um possibly getting rid of the thumbs when connecting to the internet your phones and stuff and using your brain and he's like building something for that like and maybe merging with ai in the future like i think i would be down with that so, so you want a a prosthetic arm beam plasma cannon that that you Wait, think it's controlled by your mind, <laughs> right? But at this point in in the development of technology, I think it's a very valid question to ask: Are you controlling it with your mind, or is the piece of of, of machinery controlling your mind? Oh man, we're we're diving deep. We're diving deep, too deep. I, I definitely need some drinks if we're going to be <laughs> diving this deep. Yo, you remember that uh, old movie feature Grindhouse, the, the Quentin Tarantino, Robert yeah. Rodriguez double feature? Did you ever see that? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're talking about the girl with the, the gun yeah, leg? The yeah, gun yeah, leg. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gun leg from Planet Terror. Yeah, that was How great. How does she shoot the gun attached to her peg leg? When the so, trigger's all the way down, there, does she like have to bend over, pick up her leg, and 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 yes. mash the trigger? In the movie, she she just thinks and it shoots. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie. It's good. You don't really think about it. You don't really think about it. You're just shooting a peg leg. It's it's awesome. Man, I gotta say, like in video games there's a lot of iconic uh prosthetic designs like Mega Man's arm cannon barrett's arm cannon samus's arm cannon but mm, i really like uh, uh uh deus ex's arm blades these days adam jensen's hand actually i think uh does a good or, or not just adam jensen there are other characters in uh the the two new idos montreal human revolution games who have like multi-tool hands their hands will spin around and turn into some other tool and that's 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 freaking neato and yeah, it's a little more you need, like a screwdriver or whatever you just like <laughs> chop it out <laughs> my arm is a screwdriver now do you want phillips head or flathead yeah, I oh I actually need a Phillips head and uh let's let's get go down to like a size uh T three. 
Man, wouldn't it suck to get a prosthetic screwdriver hand installed and it turns out that you don't have that, like, torque star that you need to unscrew Xbox controllers? Imagine that. You're in, like, the dystopic cyberpunk future of, of 2015 and, and you, like, don't have a can opener on your arm prosthetic multi-tool augmentation and you don't have a can opener in your kitchen cabinets. What do you do? How stupid would it feel to be that far in the future with that much of a miracle of technology strapped permanently to your body and you still are missing something incredibly simple like 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 two wedges placed next to each other so that they open up a can. I'm pretty sure there's a knife and you can use a the Oh, knife you don't want to open, open up the cans can. with knives. It, it breaks the knife. It it it's really dangerous. Have you ever opened a can with a knife? It's scary yes. as hell. Yes, of course. And you I didn't have. slice your palm? No. No. See, see, I George, didn't. you went to dainty uh, chef school. You know, I had to learn on the streets. <laughs> we didn't have money to to but buy a little, little fancy can opener. Yo, I got these scars on the streets opening cans for for coins. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's how they got there. Anyways. Wait, wait. Um, okay. Answer me this. Okay? Yeah. I got a question. Yeah. I got a question yeah. for the dad and sons. Recently, I found out that I've been opening cans wrong. What? So, supposedly, <laughs> you're supposed to, like, level the can opener with the top of the can and then cut it from the side. Yeah, you like spin it around while you spin it's it around. held in place. But they, they got a little crank on there for it. I used to just cut from the inside and I would, you know, it would be level what? from the side. Yes. And cut oh. the inside. Because oh. you can do it from that way. Now, it is more dangerous to use the can the way I do it, right? From cutting from the inside. But it's more messy to do it the way you do it. It's way more messy. Well, you got to have some priorities, man. It's like messy Safety is hell. over messy. Yeah. And plus, yeah. if the can is not perfectly a circle, it doesn't work properly. Whereas my way, you can still get like halfway, you know, a quarter, you know, and, and still kind of open up the can if it's not a perfect circle. Anyways. I've come to think of it, I, I don't have any memories of trying to open oblong or oval cans. Why don't they all just have the, the pop top? Like like a soda that handle, costs, you know? That costs money. George, that costs money. I, I bet in Europe they all have pop tops or something. Some, like, little minor luxury you don't think about that adds up over an entire lifetime of wasted time and wasted money. Yeah, I mean, wasted time, you know, like... Putting on, you know, drying yourself and putting on clothes. You just stay naked. Who cares so, about uh, drying? You wanna, you wanna do the next question? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to dive into this more? We've <laughs> talked about so many naked men on this podcast that I'm surprised we're not a podcast about naked men. <laughs> Jonas K asks, hey guys, I've heard you guys talk about CRPGs before, but have you ever played pen and paper RPGs? If so, which ones? If you played some before, which computer games, not only CRPGs, but in general, do you think capture the spirit of those games the best? Um, 
I've been wanting to play some pen and, pen and paper, like Dungeons and Dragons counts as pen and, pen and paper. Oh, yeah, totally. I think that's, Okay, yeah. That's I've been wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons for a long time. It's just finding a group yep. that you vibe out with. Like, it, it's not it's not easy. Um, but there's so many stores around here that I'm pretty sure I'll find a group eventually. You know? One thing that I think is a little hard to to convey is how hard it is if you didn't have friends in your respective school who are into that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would not mind giving it an attempt, but I don't really have anyone in my social circle who would uh, probably take me up on that. I've played pen and paper a few times. I played Dungeons & Dragons twice. I played the Star Wars RPG. Um shadows of the empire i think is what it's called and my my friends had set up a fun scenario where we had jar jar binks die in a toilet but it's so much paperwork i i, I don't know if you ever had to confront that problem matt but it's like it's like doing your taxes what? You, you sit down with all your friends and everyone passes around some paperwork and it's a uh, basic arithmetic that's about three sheets long and then you have like a fourth sheet with your inventory the computer it makes you realize how much the computer does automatically in video games because it's almost like a an analog video game where you use your imagination instead of the screen which is really cool and something that not a lot of video games convey the spirit of crpgs try but you know the, the idea of digitizing a game master who comes up with the story on the spot is something that's that's gonna be maybe at least a decade off from really fully realizing in video games. Until then, you have uh, elaborately developer-made scenarios and and custom player-made scenarios. An old game like Neverwinter Nights. I guess the modern analog is Board Game Simulator, but I don't. You can never, you can never really replace the human aspect of that because you can really do some crazy stuff in D D with you know a human dungeon master you, i, I wouldn't just... be surprised if like a chat bot though kind of concept emerges to to improvise procedurally generated a dungeons and dragons bot? campaigns in the future i wouldn't be surprised it would be crappy it would not replace the humans but for people who don't have humans in their lives, uh, or people who want to go up against a computer dungeon master, I, I bet someone could write a chatbot that would uh, that would be able to to create that kind of fun for however long it can last. Um, there have been some video games. I want a Siri dungeon master, <sighs> dude. It has to have voice, dude conversational video game there was this old experimental game that i'm trying to remember that had ai chatbots talking to you that's it's it's so weird that there's not even any rpg gameplay going on it's just like the human being there trying to come up with a story is something that i think is the defining line between video games and pen and paper games and there was one video game i did play that was a experimental indie downloadable game where you talked to characters who procedurally told a story about how this uh pair of spouses were cheating on each other you found out through their dialogue and it would be different every time and I, I bet that over the next decade there might there probably will be at least one major push from a studio with 
funding and polish and maybe even like an indie studio with funding and polish, which I guess wouldn't make it indie, but some production values game will will make good on that concept. We'll make an attempt at, at bringing chatbots into gameplay mechanics somehow. Hey, Google, let's play D&D. Dude, maybe? Yeah. Alexa, BRDM. You know, you just set Alexa behind the, like, the cutouts of maps and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Alexa, what do, we, what do we need to roll to land this critical? That would be so tight. And, like... and the computer just does the work for you. At that point, you really have to ask yourself, are you playing a pen and paper game with a computer or are you playing a computer game? Yeah, that, that, would, be, that would be good. Um, until then, you have to be the dungeon master and enforce your friends to play. And that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, last question, but not least, is from a guy named Jonathan. He says, hi, dad and sons, long-time listener, probably since episode six, and I'm now planning a long three-month-ish, wow, trip to Japan. I was yeah. wondering what gaming-related places you would personally recommend to visit, stuff that probably wouldn't show up on TripAdvisor and such. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. And oh, isn't it a shame that we don't have Liam here for this week? Well, yes. I guess uh, you and I will have to uh, fill that gap with, oh, um, with, with you know, our, our specialized informed knowledge. We uh, do not have specialized. We definitely have to get Liam to answer this question again we've, next podcast. We've been to Japan for days, though, you know? Yeah, days. That, that's not... That's not good. He's gone for three <laughs> months. Um, I, w- I always enjoyed hitting all, I mean, all of the game centers because they're all different. Uh, all of them have like different uh, uh, sections, th- you know, that cater to certain audiences. Like uh, I only found like one game center in uh, Shibuya that was like, uh, not Shibuya, um, Akihabara. Akihabara, aha. There's a there's a ha. The way the train station says it is so different. Yeah, but I'm trying to say how the train station says it, and I could never do it because it is an extra ah added at the end. Anyways, um, uh, that has like straight up like fighting games on one floor, you know, and then. There's some other ones that have like better dancing games. You got for me. You have to kind of hit like every single game center. There's a ton of them, um, and you can find like one that you like really like. Now, as far as like the the local shops, other than the game bars, there's a lot of game bars. But you know, to play some some old school, some old school games. But I I don't know about any small mom and pop game centers. Have you ever heard of those? They're out there. Yeah. A lot more of them in Japan than in any oh, other country, oh, probably. Of course. Yeah. But they, they got their chains. They got the Taito Game Centers, the, the Sega Centers. I, I And you, you do see a lot of shared branding. I think Pacella has a hand in the, the arcade business. I went to an arcade in a city two hours out of Tokyo by train, and it looked a lot like one of them inside the city. Um, but there are independents every now and then, like, like anything else, you got to look a little harder to find them, but I would recommend it. It's weird 
trying to recommend stuff that isn't a TripAdvisor staple because nowadays on the internet you can Google a lot of Japan stuff and find it yeah. just as easily as if you were on TripAdvisor, which is why I would want to recommend visiting the underground gaming cafes. The stuff that I do cover on my channel is stuff yeah. that you might not see on TripAdvisor, but it's still really well-documented, well-publicized. Like, <laughs> if they don't have a bunch of TripAdvisor reviews, they're going to have a bunch of Yelp reviews. So... If you want to get away from either of those strategies, though, and really improvise yourself an itinerary, what's really fun is visiting locations from video games in Japan. If you've played Yakuza 1 or 2, then walk around um, Shin Shinjuku Station. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the names. The, the like northeast section of um, Shinjuku where, where you walk down Godzilla Street and you, the Yakuza games they didn't have the Godzilla statue up there but when you're walking through it in real life you're like wow holy crap this is this is from Yakuza if you've uh, played a lot of the world ends with you then then please go to the Shibuya Scramble um, yeah. if you played Jet Set Radio you got you got the Shibuya bus terminal that, that you would be skating around in in the video game is a place in real life that looks a hell of a lot like it does in the video game and that's that's one of my favorite things to do whenever I'm on vacation anywhere is to just go places that I have been to before in video games and seeing them in real life yeah, I um, ooh. I have to go go back next. If year. you want to be real trashy, you can play Fatal Frame Five and then go hike in the Ayakugahara Forest because I actually did that and it was really trashy and, and and I feel like I respect myself a little less for it, but <laughs> at least I can be like, hey, I I went to the spooky haunted suicide forest in the game and in real life. Ooh, ooh, too scary for me. Too 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 scary for me. It, even with the Logan Paul, I'm like, oh god, no, 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 no. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> like how you just when, when trying like lie, not to think right of how there. how tasteless that kind of tourism can get. Um, 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 no, well, you know, the, I mean, the fact that he found some someone is like, okay, I, I probably don't want to go. <laughs> I don't I even don't think I had a camera on me. I no, no, I don't mean what he did. I mean because he, he found someone. The fact that he found someone who who did, I was just like, I don't know if I wanna, I don't wanna go there. <laughs> I was surprised I mean, by the chances because I sure as hell did. And I had a, just a pleasant hike through the woods. Yeah, that's that. You must ooh, the vibe out there must be serious, man. It really was. It was. It's beautiful. It's right next to Mount Fuji. No wonder people go there to do oh God. it. Anyways. Anyways. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. This podcast has gone to so many. Oh, anyways, and Liam's not anyways, here, too. Anyways, oh. anyways. We got to wrap up. Thank yep. fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> so this well, was. Yep. This was the the first, hopefully one of the few, dad and son podcasts that we have to do with uh, two-thirds of your regular dad and son's hosts. Well, technically, a third is there both in spirit and in prior recording. So, so we're all here. Some of us just aren't as here as the others. But that's that's fine. We will pick it back up again next week. And until then, well, no, 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 no. Like, like us, like us on oh, ice, yeah, iTunes. 
Like, um, like us rate on, us on, on Microsoft five Views. Five stars. <laughs> sync us onto your iPods. Sync, sync us. Subscribe. <laughs> like, subscribe. and, and make, make a mixtape of our podcast and leave it at the school bathrooms. Whatever you can do with the, the, the iTunes podcast or whatever, d- just do it. Just just absolutely do it. We, we love you for it. We'll, we'll give you a little kiss if we see you in the con. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, Matt, I don't want to get influenza. 